We'll look at two verses this morning for our text. The first verse we'll look at is in the book of excuse me, Second Timothy chapter four, verse eight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Then we'll look at Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty eight. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The Lord is coming again. The Word of God makes that very clear. The bride is coming back, or the bridegroom is coming back for his bride. And the bride will constitute two types of people. We're actually one type of person. The Lord is coming for those that love His appearing and those that are looking for His appearing. I'm sure we all have times we can remember when maybe we were preparing for a special guest to arrive. I'm sure if I were to ask you what you were doing that what you were doing doing during that time, you would say that you were you were making preparations. You were planning and you wanted things to be uh, just perfect. Maybe you were uh, a wife hosting a dinner party. You wanted to make sure uh, the table was set just perfectly. The silver silverware was laid out just right. The, the food was cooked to perfection. The kids were locked in their rooms. Possibly. I don't know. But you were making preparations. You didn't want to leave anything to chance. And you wanted to make yourself personally presentable, I'm sure. I remember years ago when my wife and I, before we were married, well, it makes sense, we were dating, and I remember uh, we would see each other on the weekends. We were about three hours apart, so when the weekends would come around and I, I knew that I was going to be seeing Rosie, I would make preparations. You know, I would want to make sure I would try to be presentable for our date, I remember one date in particular. It's strange, I remembered the very shirt that I happened to be wearing. And I only remembered it because it was one she had bought for me. I assumed she liked it because she bought it. But as I was making those preparations, I, I thought I'll, I'll take one extra precaution. I thought maybe I'll put on a little extra cologne. So I splashed some cologne on there and I remember as I was walking down the hallway, my, my grandmother happened to be visiting that same weekend, and, and she stopped me, and she gave me some advice. She says, you know, when you wear cologne, you want to put off a scent, not an odor. Well, that's good advice. I still remember it 30 years later. I still remember that advice. I guess she might think I overprepared, but, you know, when we're preparing for a special guest, we especially as we prepare for the Lord's return. I don't think there's such a thing as being overprepared. We don't want to leave anything to chance. We want to make sure that when the Lord appears, uh, we're ready for that time. You know, appearances do matter. Look in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. It tells us this. It says, And now, little children, abide in Him 
that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. When the Lord appears, we don't want to be ashamed. We want to be ready. We want to be presentable. And, you know, we must be dressed appropriately. When the bridegroom returns for his bride, we must have on that wedding garment. Jesus told a story, a parable about the king who made a feast and he put on a, a feast there and he said the guests that showed up without the wedding garment, the king went and asked him, uh, friend, how come you aren't wearing a garment? That man was speechless. And we know, of course, uh, the king commanded his servants, bind him hand and foot, cast him out into outer darkness. So certainly when the king, when the bridegroom appears, we must have on that wedding garment. We have to be dressed appropriately. You know, only time we ever, it's acceptable to appear before the Lord undone and unclean is when we're coming to the Lord seeking to be saved. We recognize the depravity of our sin and we recognize that sin separates us from God. So in humility and repentance and shame, we come to the Lord and we ask the Lord to forgive us and save us. And you know, a beautiful thing happens when a person is saved. The Word of God, of course, says we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old sins are passed away. Everything is new. We're given new hearts. But you know, the Lord issues us a new set of garments. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 4. says, And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. So the Lord, when we're saved, he issues us a new set of clothes. Again, we look in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. It says, He clothes us with garments of salvation, robes of righteousness. In Revelation, it tells us a little about what this garment looks like. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. It says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Describes that garment as fine linen, clean and white. I don't know if you've ever owned anything made out of linen. I owned a couple of linen suits at one time. I'll never buy another linen suit. They wrinkled just hanging on the hanger. They were hard to keep uh, pressed and looking neat. Imagine a white linen garment. And not only are you given this garment, but you're given the charge to keep it clean, keep it unspotted. How careful would you be? That's that garment that Christ, the bridegroom, clothes his bride in. That wedding garment, it's pure, it's white, it's spotless, it's clean, and it's pure. The Word of God tells us to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Of course, we know the Lord issues us this garment when we're saved. 
And we put it on when we're saved, but we're given the charge to keep it clean, to keep it pure and holy. You know, if you were wearing a white linen garment, you'd be very careful about where you went, the places you would go. You know, there's appropriate clothing for different activities. Certainly, if you're working on a construction crew, you're not going to show up in a three-piece suit. There's appropriate clothing and appropriate attire. But you know, this is a garment. We're not meant to put it on and take it off. We're supposed to keep this garment on as the bride of Christ. We're supposed to continually be clothed in His righteousness. This is not something that we can change in and out of. So imagine, as a bride of Christ, that you're wearing this garment 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How careful would you be? We would be very careful. The Bible says that the Lord wants to present us a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. You know, it's easy to get those garments spotted. Thought about Lot. The Word of God tells us that uh, Lot was a righteous man. Hard to believe he was righteous. Uh, Looking at his life later, but we know it must have been true at one time. God said that uh, Lot was a righteous man. But we know Lot made some very poor choices. Lot went some places and took his family some places that he should have never have gone. We know that Lot, it says that uh, as he looked out all those well-watered plains of Jordan, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And before he knew it, Lot was right there in the middle of Sodom. Not only that, but he took his whole family and moved him right there in that old cesspool Sodom, had the whole family there. And you know, as a result, it says that Lot... Says he vexed his soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Says that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. By seeing and hearing, he vexed his soul. You know, the word of God tells us we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We know that. But Lot chose to dwell among these people. We have a choice who we spend our free time with, the places we go, the people we associate with. Lot chose to dwell among these people. It says in doing so, it says he vexed his soul by seeing and hearing their unlawful deeds. You know, as a bride of Christ, we will keep our garments spotless by guarding our eyes and our ears. The Bible says that the eyes are the window to the soul. The only way uh, that things can get into our mind and our hearts is if we let them in through our eyes and our ears so we can see it's so careful. As the bride of Christ, we don't want to taint our garments by looking at or hearing things that we shouldn't be uh, looking at or hearing at. You know, the interesting thing about this account of Lot and his family We know as God was going to pass judgment, he sent the angel of the Lord down there, the angels to warn Lot and his family. This is one of the only accounts where you'll probably ever read where it almost seemed as if the Lord violated Lot's free will. Almost. It says that as they lingered and they were warning them that destruction was coming, it says finally the angel took a hold of Lot and his wife and their two daughters, and they physically pulled them out of that city. That was just God's mercy. That was a result of Uncle Abraham, righteous Abraham, praying and interceding 
for Lot and his family. But you know, when the Lord returns, it's not going to happen that way. The bridegroom is not going to pull his bride out of this old world. If we're that attached to the world, if we want to stay that bad, the Lord will let us stay. We need to be ready. We need to be looking for and anticipating the Lord's return. We want our garments pure and spotless and holy. We guard our eyes. We guard our ears. You know, when I married my wife, I made a vow to her. And she made a vow to me. And we made a vow before the Lord. I promised to keep myself to her and her alone. And God helping me, I intend to keep that vow till the day I date, till the day I die. And she, she feels the same way, but we, we pledged our fidelity one to another. And as the bride of Christ, we're a spouse to Christ. When we are saved, we become a part of that bride and we pledge our faithfulness and our fidelity to the Lord, to Christ and Christ alone. You can't love the world and love the Lord at the same time. That's spiritual adultery. We want to have eyes for the Lord and no one else. You know, Job made a covenant with his eyes. We know the Word of God tells us. Job says he was a perfect man. He uh, loved the Lord. He eschewed evil. And he made a covenant with his eyes. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You know, not only did Job avoid the awful sin of adultery, he hadn't even taken that first step by looking in the wrong direction. He made a covenant with his eyes. Lot's story would have been different if he would have done the same thing, but it says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He started to look around. Uh, imagine every day when he got up in the morning, first thing you would see when he stepped out of that tent was Sodom. And eventually we know he ended up in that very place. I read a quote one time. It says, We are changed into the likeness of the object on which our gaze is fixed. It's pretty serious if you think about that. But you know, if your gaze, your eyes are on the Lord, if your eyes are on being part of that bride of Christ, you'll become more and more like Christ. But if your eyes are on the world, it's a natural progression. You will become more like the world. That's why we, as the bride of Christ, we want to challenge ourselves. Make a covenant with your eyes. Say, Lord, I won't look at anything else. I'll keep my eyes on you. You know, that may affect a lot of areas of your life that may may affect your personal ambitions maybe your eyes are on earthly goals maybe uh, the priority isn't to serve the Lord but to serve yourself you know Uh, make a covenant that you'll keep your eyes on the Lord it'll certainly affect our entertainment choices you know if you choose to watch movies that profane the name of the Lord if you choose to watch movies that have uh, immoral lifestyles being promoted, if you choose to watch movies that are full of violence and bloodshed, if you choose to watch uh, movies that promote these kind of things, you don't, you're not keeping yourself unspotted from the world. You're not going to be a part of that pure, holy bride. We want to protect our eyes. We want to keep our eyes on the Lord. Why is this so important? So when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. The Lord is coming. We can have confidence in that day. It also says that Lot vexed his soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. 
the things he heard, the thing he chose to hear. And again, these were choices Lot made. Obviously, we face things in life that we have uh, no control over. We have to go to jobs and to school and different places of employment. We're going to face these things, but when we choose to surround ourselves with these things, we vex our soul. We spot our garments. The lot did that by their filthy conversation. Again, if we make a covenant with our ears, it's going to affect some areas of your life. It certainly will affect who you choose to hang around with. You know, if you associate with people that like to use vulgar language and tell filthy jokes and uh, that are irreverent to the things of God, it's going to affect you. You're going to vex your soul. You know, we become like the ones that we associate the most with. It's just a fact of life. The Word of God says that evil communications corrupt good manners. So we want to make sure that we guard our hearts, our eyes, and our ears. Uh, is that bride of Christ, we keep our garments clean by uh, being careful of these things, these areas in our lives. You know, the bride of Christ, if we're part of that bride, we'll be looking and listening for his return. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Lord is coming. The bridegroom is coming for his bride. Are you looking for him? Are you loving his appearing? You know, I was thinking about a little dog we used to have. Her name was Bella. She was a little pug. And we have another dog now, Lucy, but she hasn't done anything worthy enough to find her way into a sermon yet. But Bella was a very special dog. She had a couple of things that were her favorite things to do. She loved to eat and she loved to sleep. Those are two of my favorite things. So we got along really well. But I remember she loved to take naps. Sometimes I'd come home from work and I would lay down in the lazy boy to take a nap and she'd be right there. She'd want to take a nap with me or sometimes maybe we'd be in the back room and she would get up on the bed and take a nap. But I noticed something about that dog. There was something, there was some, uh, one particular sound, almost like she had her ear trained for one particular sound. It didn't matter what she was doing or where she was at. She would always listen for the sound of the car pulling up and the garage door going up because that meant that Rosie and the girls were home and she looked forward to, to their appearing. Every time they came home, she was excited all over again. Her ear was tuned to that sound. Regardless of whatever else she may have been doing, she could have been sound asleep. And she was a sound sleeper, too. But when she'd hear that garage door, she'd jump up immediately. Her ears would perk up. She'd run to that back door, and she would wait in anticipation for the girls to come in. Spending time with them was her favorite thing. But I thought, in a spiritual sense, it's probably a very simple illustration, but in a spiritual sense, we want to feel the same way about the return of Christ. During our day, our activities, whatever we're doing, we want to keep our ear and our eyes tuned to the sound of that trumpet, to the Lord's return. 
If we do that, we'll guard our hearts. The Bible says that we're going to be a pure, spotless, holy bride. You know, in life, we can often set our own schedules. We can make our own appointments. We can cancel appointments. If we want to have a special dinner date with friends, we usually set a time and a place. We don't have that luxury with the Lord's return. We don't set the time or the date. God sets that. God has already set that. That has been predetermined since the beginning of time. There are things we do know about that event. Actually, we know everything we need to know because God's Word tells us tells us how it's going to happen. The Word of God says, As the lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It says it will be in, the, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It'll be instantaneous, like that. The Lord will return. Why will he return? Well, the Word of God tells us. God's Word says he will. That's why he must return. God's Word is true. But we know one day uh, God will have all of the world that he could take, all of the sin, the disobedience, the degradation. And at that point, God will come to judge the world. But before that time happens, the Lord's going to rapture the saints out of this world, the bride of Christ. It's all prophesied in the Word of God. So we know why it must take place. We also know there's many signs the Lord has given for us to look for just immediately preceding his return. Spoke of wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and pestilence, uh, all of these things, violence filling the land. What do you see when you turn on the news every day? We see these things being unfolded before our very eyes so we can say, we don't know the exact moment, but we certainly know the season, and it's now. The Lord is going to return in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Who is he coming for? We know he's coming for the bride of Christ. Those whose garments have been washed in the blood of Jesus. You've been saved and set free from your sin. He's coming for those that are sanctified, holy, and set apart for his service. Coming for those that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And like those five wise virgins in that parable. It says they had, their vessels were full of oil. We know that oil represents the Holy Spirit, but they were in that constant state of readiness. So when the call went out at midnight, it says they arose and they trimmed their lamps and they were ready to meet the bridegroom. We want to be ready to meet the Lord. You know, this event will happen suddenly. And it will probably happen somewhat unexpectedly, especially for those who failed to make the preparation. But it certainly won't happen without warning. God's Word has warned us. The Lord has been warning the human race for over 2,000 years to prepare for this event. And the Lord is coming. His coming is closer than it's ever been. You know, you want you, you can be prepared. That's the good news. You can be pre- prepared for the day when the Lord returns. It could be this very day. We don't know, but we don't want to leave anything to chance. You know, if there are things in your life, if you feel unsettled, the Bible says to comfort one another with these words. If there's anything in your life you're unsure of this morning, if you don't know where you stand with the Lord, you can get that settled this morning. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. 
You can be sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. God can help you today. And what a glorious day that will be for the saints of God. And it's coming. We can be ready. Let's make the preparations. Today we're given one more opportunity to do so. The song is 762. These altars are open.